comes the final sermon in the Philippians series comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20, which can be found on page 1140 to 1141 of your pew Bibles. Listen for the word of God to you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire more is that it would be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received Epaphroditus, the gift that you sent me. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we know that you can meet all our needs. What we need most in all our circumstances is your grace. That you might strengthen us within ourselves. That in our weakness we may be strong. May be sufficient in you. May your grace be sufficient for us today. Lord, any words that I say that are not of your will, I ask that they fall to the ground and be forgotten. But whatever I say that is of your will, I ask them bad in hearts and bear good fruit unto the kingdom of God. Lord, let us not hinder your word, but feed your sheep. In Jesus' name, amen. So in 1985, um, the network ABC found the secret to rating success with the hit show MacGyver. Any MacGyver fans here? Yeah, a couple... Original MacGyver, right? Not the, the remake. We want to we stick with the original MacGyver. For those of us younging, young, younglings who don't know about MacGyver, MacGyver was like a secret agent who used his scientific mind to basically take whatever happened to be lying around to defeat the bad guys. To quote one article I, re I read, the show ran seven years six of which it spent as the lead-in for Monday Night Football, which shows you how important it, it was. Over the course of 139 episodes, and two made-for-TV movies, by the way, after the series was canceled, MacGyver fought terrorists, Russian mobsters, abusers, punks, psychopaths, drug dealers, con men, and the angel of death. I wish I had seen that episode. All with his signature mullet assortment of vests, and leather jackets, and the quickest mind this side of Kit. I had to look up what Kit was. Apparently, it was the name of the car from the series Knight Rider. 
um, which that, that got my pop culture references. So way to go. To continue the article, the favored MacGyverisms that have served to cement this show's place in the pantheon really are sort of goofy and frequently improbable to the point where MacGyver sometimes seems like a superhero whose real power is the ability to subconsciously mold environments to suit his will. Episode after episode, there's always the right mix of household chemicals and broom handles and whatnot close at hand and always enough time to rig everything into a smoke bomb or a battering ram or impromptu travis before the bad guys round the corner. In one episode, MacGyver airlifts into a prison camp where he spends an afternoon building a two-man ultralight out of bamboo, garbage bags, and generators. Anyone remember this episode? A couple of people. It's not a show of documentary realism, yet there is a reason that these gimmicks remain about as charming today as they did when the show first aired. As silly as they are in practice, most of the ideas have a basis in scientific fact, and that science, or more importantly, that pure love of knowledge, is what elevates Mac above most of his violent, crazed peer, peers. And I have learned, Paul says, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and want. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I think Paul and MacGyver have something in common that is their love of knowledge. Paul MacGyver's love of scientific knowledge, Paul's love of spiritual knowledge, and he is trying to express to us today a knowledge that he has gained through his experience. But I, I, I think the secret differs a little from how we tend to use it. I think we tend to use this verse, I can do all things through, through him who strengthens me, as saying that it turns us into Christian MacGyvers. That it gives us the lockpick to the prison of our circumstances or allows us to turn lemons into lemonade. That it makes us physically self-sufficient and able to get out of every problem we face. But that clearly is not what Paul is saying. Because he is in prison. He does not have the ability to be physically self-sufficient. Roman prisons weren't like our prisons today. You didn't get three meals a day. The Philippians knew that. That is why they sent Epaphroditus to help Paul. But he is saying that he has become spiritually self-sufficient. Indeed, the word contentment can more be literally translated as spiritually self-sufficient. The secret that he is relaying to us today is how to become spiritually self-sufficient. And the good news today is when we are initiated into the secret, we shall become spiritually self-sufficient. When we are initiated into the secret, we shall become spiritually self-sufficient. Well, how are we initiated into the secret? Three points today. By partnering in the ministry of giving and receiving, by being strengthened in our inner being, and by giving of ourselves. First, we are initiated into the secret by partnering in the ministry of giving and receiving. Paul says of the Philippian church that these are the only ones that have supported him in the long term. 
They sought him out when he was in Thessalonica and helped him more than once. Paul says in 2 Corinthians of the Philippian or Macedonian church that when they heard that the church in Jerusalem was in famine, a church that they had never met, they gave according to their need and beyond their need, their ability. They were cheerful givers, as Paul says, and I believe they were cheerful givers because they knew, they had learned the secret because Paul demonstrated to them the secret in the church of Philippi and how he founded it. We know how Paul founded the church at Philippi because Luke tells us in Acts chapter 16, and there are two main characters in the church of Philippi which tells us how Paul learned the secret. First he says, I've learned the secret of being in plenty, and I believe Lydia taught him that. Lydia was a seller of purple cloth. When Paul went to Philippi, he was originally planning on ministering to men because he saw a vision of a man asking for help, but no men were willing to hear his message. So he went down to the river where some women were praying, some devout women, and Lydia, the seller of purple cloth, heard the word of the Lord, her heart was opened, and she was converted to the gospel. And she and her entire family were baptized, and she said to Paul and his gang of missionaries that she wanted to, them to stay at her house. And Acts says that she prevailed against them. It does not sound like they were super excited to take Lydia up on her hospitality. And that could be for a couple different reasons. Maybe be it was because Paul thought of himself as physically self-sufficient. Because Paul was a tent maker. That's not like making tents like for the Boy Scouts, but that was like making tents for the bazaar, for, for the marketplace where everyone would sell their goods. He would make tents for those booths. So his skill was always in demand, and perhaps he thought, I don't need her hospitality because I... I'm self-sufficient. Or perhaps he had yet to get established and he was too prideful to admit that he needed some help. Whatever the case, he learned the secret of being in plenty, which is to accept hospitality to receive when it's offered to you. Jesus tells us the importance of receiving at the Last Supper in John where he washed his disciples' feet. And when Peter said, Lord, you cannot wash my feet, Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you can have no part in me. Where do we need to humble ourselves? Maybe we become so confident in our giving that we're not willing to receive because we think it reflects of our pride. But has he strengthened us enough that we can receive hospitality when it's offered. Who do you all need to receive from today? When, Lydia, when Paul says, I've learned the secret of being in plenty, Lydia would have been read that and said, yeah, I know, I taught him that. I taught him that secret. Next, Paul says, I have learned the secret to being in want. And he probably learned that from the jailer. After he had stayed in Lydia's house, he was going to witness. 
And a demon-possessed woman who could predict the future started harassing Paul. And he cast that spirit out of her. The only problem was that spirit was making a lot of money for her owners. And when you mess with people's money, they get sort of angry. And they threw Paul and Silas into the jail, and they beat them with rods, and they threw them into the jail, and they said to the jailer, watch them closely. And Paul and Silas, what they did was they raised hymns up to God in prison. And suddenly there was an earthquake, and the gates came open, and their chains came undone. And if the secret was really about being Christian MacGyvers, wouldn't they have left? But they stayed in that prison because they knew the jailer would lose his life if they left. And the jailer thought he was a failure. He thought he was done for, and he raised his sword to kill himself. But Paul said, don't worry, we are still here. And the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your household. So they were all baptized, and they were all saved. What does this say to us? It says, at our lowest point, we have the opportunity to give to others at our lowest point. When the prison is opened, what are we going to do? Are we going to be Christian MacGyvers and escape for our own sake? Or are we going to enter into the suffering of others by participating in the ministry of giving to them, even when we're not sure how it's going to work out. Paul says, I've learned the secret to being in one. And the jailer said, yeah, I sort of taught him that. That was sort of my job. And I'm glad he learned that secret because I wouldn't be here if he hadn't learned that secret. we got to learn the ministry of giving and receiving. There are some times in our lives when we can give and sometimes in our lives when we can Receive. And Paul says, when we learn this ministry, we will be strengthened in our inner selves. He says this in 2 Corinthians, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison as we look not to things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. He, he says our outer selves, and he just doesn't mean our physical selves, because yeah, that wastes away with age too. But our natural selves are wasting away. But who we are in Christ is being renewed and strengthened day by day in our trials. It is as if when we come to believe in Christ, God takes a crane from heaven and takes the house of our life and moves it from a house built on sand to a house built on the rock of Christ, which cannot be moved. The foundation is free, but if you want to build to the structure of the house, that requires work. That requires work. And that work comes when we give. Of ourselves. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. The point is this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he or she has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, 
And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. Paul says that we grow spiritually when we challenge ourselves in giving. And part of challenging ourselves is knowing what to expect. What our return on investment is. Because if we have the wrong expectations, then we will become disappointed and we will lose heart. But if we have the right expectations, we'll keep working and we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. As I was thinking about the, this secret of contentment and being strengthened on the, in our inner man, I was reminded of a, a missionary family that I support. I've supported them for about two and a half years. Uh, I talked with uh, this family before I came here to Calvin, and uh, the husband's a pharmacist. And he and his wife and their young daughter moved to Jordan to uh, work in a tuber tuberculosis hospital and to witness in a tuberculosis hospital. Jordan is one of the few stable governments in the Middle East, and thus it hosts a lot of refugees. And as he was telling me his story of his mission, I was just inspired to participate in the ministry of giving and receiving with him. And, th and then the Lord gave me an amount, and I was like, I'm not sure I want to give that much, Lord. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. But I gave. And to be frank, I, not, I, I had felt for two and a half years, I wasn't sure if I was getting the return of my investment because I've only received one newsletter from them and I had barely heard from them in two and a half years. And finally, I arranged a Skype call with my friend in internet video chat. We had a good chat. It was great to catch up with them a couple weeks ago. And after that chat, I thought about my expectations and I was like, well, what did I expect? Because even before he got to the hospital, he had to study Arabic for two years. And he had a young family and a young daughter to take care of. And even when he got to that hospital, it would take years for him to form a relationship. It would take years for him to sow spiritually before he reaped physically. And I thought to myself, what am I expecting as a return of my investment in my giving, and, and, I, and I, I thought about this verse, and I thought about the secret where Paul says uh, that we will be strengthened in our inner selves in our giving. And I thought to myself, have I been strengthened in my inner self, in my giving? And I realized that I had. I had grown in my inner self through my giving. You know, Psalm 34 is one of my favorite psalms and the Lord hasn't always delivered me from my failures. Some failures I've had to live with. But the Lord has delivered me from my fears. And I have tasted and seen that He is good. And I believe He can provide all, for all of our needs. And sometimes that's physically, but sometimes that's spiritually by making us less needy. And I believe that his grace is sufficient for us. For his power is made perfect in our weakness. When we do not lose heart, when we learn 
and a secret. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.